It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg. Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. Well, good day, listeners, and welcome to the Two Jacks Combination podcast going all the way to Hong Kong and all the way around the world and then back to Australia again. And it's a big Sun Nin Howl to uh, Jack in Hong Kong. Happy New Year, mate. Kung Hee Fat Choi. Ah, yes, thank you very much. Yes, and uh, there'll be 16 yeah, days. Kung Hee to all of, our, all of our listeners as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what what you said. Um, 16 days of celebrations in uh, in China and, and, and in Hong Kong. Many yeah. public holidays. Yeah, lots of public holidays. Look, it's a bit of a circus. I've got quite a few um, uh, Guaylo friends who've married into the local families and they kind of have a love-hate relationship with Chinese New Year. There's aspects of it they find immensely amusing, um, uh, including the dance of the credit cards. Uh, the, the, the first evening, that the, the, the <laughs> eve of Chinese New Year, is traditional to have a family reunion dinner um, and at that dinner, there will be the dance of the credit cards. It's it's a, a contest to see who gets to pay for the dinner amongst the family members because there's status associated with having paid for the dinner and they want that status. Mm-hmm. And it's also supposed to bring you luck. So have you ever seen three Cantonese, uh, three or four Cantonese blokes uh, you know, waving their credit rounds and yelling at each other um, to get to get to get to get their credit card swipe first? You, 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 you know what I mean. It would be a marvellous scene. I did see this sort of play out, in, in, albeit in a different cultural context, in The Sopranos, where uh, where the big man uh, was uh, Tony Soprano was was hosting his children for dinner, and and uh, his daughter's boyfriend paid for the dinner and. <laughs> Tony gave him the big desk there and gave him a big, gave him a big yeah. spray as well. It's my job to pay. And yeah, yeah. Well, well, there's even sort of argy bargy about who gets to sit where. When you walk in, um, your best sort of you know, if you're a smoker, light up a gas, but because it's going to take ten minutes to work take out. A little while to, <laughs> yeah. So, so. How is Hong Kong at the moment? I know that there have been limited numbers uh, allowed across uh, uh, from the mainland, so it, it would be relatively quiet, I would, I would imagine, yeah. uh, as compared to previous years or perhaps it's, pre-pandemic years. It's always quiet at Chinese New Year. Um, um, everyone's, you know, Hong Kong's not a quiet city, um, but there are no building sites going or, or renovations in flats going. Um, the numbers, the restriction on numbers is a bit of a farce, really, because they haven't gone close to reaching the quota on any given day. Right. And that's about 50,000? 50,000. 50, 50, um, it's still predominantly Hong Kong is going to visit people in the mainland rather than mainlanders coming here. Uh-huh. Um, um, and no one's quite sure why that is, but um, that will even up in time. Um, yeah, and 50,000 might sound like a lot when you say it quickly, but for uh, for an island uh, city like Hong Kong, it's not that many people. No, no, no. Um, uh, pre-pandemic, um, our visitor arrivals were about were, were 20 million plus per year. Mm, okay. And, uh, and, and of course, now we're, we're speaking of uh, 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 the pandemic in China and uh, had, a, had a chat to a, a, a mate of mine, very good... 
uh, a friend of the podcast, Jack, uh, and uh, big g'day to Bill and a son in how to you. Um, and uh, he was uh, reporting that uh, uh, his uh, home village of in, on the Hainan Island had had around about eighty percent infected with COVID. Um, and uh, and that's in the beautiful the beautiful Hainan Island, which is the Gold Coast of China, really. Um, uh, that that reflects the the national figures. The head of China's CDC, um, uh, he th- he thinks that the, the latest wave is about an eighty eighty percent infection rate. 80%. That's about a billion. That's about a billion people, by the way. <laughs> that's it's a tick over a billion, isn't it? I think yeah. it's getting close to one point two billion. So that is a massive amount of infection. Yes, it is, uh, uh, and, 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 and they, they are recording a number of deaths. Um, my best guess is that um, they will come up with a number in about a year's time and tell us that was the figure, um, and it will be a little bit better than America's numbers, um, uh, and, and it will show the superiority of the Chinese approach. You're a very cynical man, Jack, very cynical man. Uh Look, I wrote a piece last week um, uh, moving back to Australia. In fact, we can't move back to Australia because according to Flat Earthers, or at least some of them, Australia doesn't exist. And this is this came uh, about from an uh, online pondering. Uh, well, from, I, I read from, this and I thought, they're probably right. You see, <laughs> I, I reckon you're not in the southern highlands of New South Wales. You're just over on the Kowloon side, you know, um, uh, Clearwater <laughs> Bay or I, somewhere I would, in the New I, I would be in, I'd possibly be in Lima, Peru, uh, <laughs> claiming to be an Australian uh, and um, and actually on, on the wages uh, from, NATO, uh, from NASA uh, yeah. because that's what the, the conspiracy theory leads to. Australia does not exist. Uh, all tourists who come to Australia uh, either dumped in South America or on a Pacific island somewhere, uh, the, the, which means commercial airlines and their pilots are in on the scam. Yes. and A, a uh, bit like 9-11, mate. The pilots <laughs> and everyone, everyone's in on the scam. Um, I had to go through a special accent college to get to, so I was able to come up to Hong Kong, you know. Uh, we'll talk about accents uh, elsewhere around the world, not far from Australia, which doesn't exist according to Flat Earthers. Um, it, it is a bizarre uh, theory and people sort of do mock Flat Earthers. Their numbers are growing, driven by... Uh, the fact that a lot of uh, rappers are now flat earthers, uh, Jack. Uh, and, of course, uh, Shaquille O'Neal ha- has uh, tinkered with flat earthing himself when he came over to uh, Australia to promote The Voice in a sort of rather odd press conference. Uh, I did did a little bit of searching on Shaquille O'Neal and he reckons uh, he did a drive from Florida to California and he didn't see the curvature of the earth once. And he's a big man, so he'd be able to see it. He'd be able to see it better than the rest of us. That press conference uh, was just bizarre. (laughs) He really wasn't. You know, they've probably given him a briefing, Doc, but he's just gone, nah, I'll wing it. Yeah. Um, I'm Shaquille O'Neal. Very, very strange stuff, but it does lead us to a discussion of the voice and and where we are with that. There's a, oh, you know, literally a ton, a metric ton of uh, op-eds one way or the other. Uh, in Australian media at the moment, um, um, but it, but the, the the big news really, uh, and I want to ask you whether it affects the voice is um, uh, a certain amount of lawlessness in Alice Springs, uh, a crime wave there driven by Indigenous youth, uh, the lifting of grog bans, 
Uh, and uh, at the Australian, Liam Mendes has been doing some excellent reporting from Alice Springs and uh, showing uh, showing a fair amount of uh, a fair amount of violence on the streets and and and, 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 and uh, property crime and what have you. Um, also published a fantastic article today about a, an Indigenous mother and her two daughters, and, and she was just basically crying out, I just want to get my daughters educated and give them the best possible chance in life. Excellent article, and I recommend it to you, uh, to all our listeners. Uh, Jack, uh, um, uh, the opposition leader, Peter Dutton, has said uh, that the AFP should be called in. Uh, the NT government... Uh, which is a Labor government, of course, has said they are determined not to make any calls which they would think are you know, race-based policies, which include grog bans. Should the feds move in um, uh, or should this be left to NT policing, who've done, who must be said have, have, have had a bit of a crackdown in Alice Springs, Alice Springs over the last few days? Well, whether you call the feds in or not, that's just really an operational matter and you need to be involved with the police on the ground to, to know whether that was a good or bad idea. Um, um, it generally is a not a good one unless no. you do it because you, what you're doing is you're creating a jurisdictional conflict yes. and, and enmity between the, the Territory Police and, and, and possible enmity, potential enmity between the NT Police and the Australian Federal Police. Um uh, it, it doesn't seem to resolve anything too much. It's you know it's a, it's almost akin to calling the army in, as we saw in the latter, you know, well, the last year of the Howard government. But at the same time, when we look at the NT government, Jack, why why wouldn't grog bans be imposed? I mean, if what? this is the part of the problem, um, and I, I, I can't see as that that being um, yes, it's race based in a technical sense, but but it is a practical measure which reduces the great harm and violence within Indigenous communities. I don't like race-based laws at all, but I've got to say that sometimes you need to do take some short-term measures to fix a specific problem. I did see some of the bottle shops had imposed a limit of uh, if you wanted to buy anything over a litre, uh, you wouldn't be allowed to buy it. But uh, if you... If, if you uh, if you buy a litre or under of something fairly strong, it won't matter a whole lot. No, no. Um, They're not going to be buying a litre of um, uh, light beer. Uh, <laughs> oh, look, it shouldn't be laughing, I'm, and I'm not. It is a very, very serious situation. I think there's a lot of politicking around it. Uh, the Prime Minister, as we speak, is uh, landing in Alice Springs, Anthony Albanese there, and we'll see what he has to say. But there seems to be an aversion for any kind of federal intervention at this stage. Yeah. Well, that's something they've got to work out on the ground in a sense, whether it needs intervention. But um, you don't want to see a community um, uh, in the state that Alice Springs seems to be in at the moment. Yeah. Um, difficult, difficult situation for the NT government, who should, I think, at least open their minds to the possibility of grog bans. Those those, those, even if they're temporary, even if they're temporary, to yeah, fix the immediate problem. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. I mean, I, I just, I just don't see how that, where, where that sort of race-based policy um, should uh, should be impacting on on what would be a, an immediate practical measure. And it must be said, of course, that the NT government lifted the grog bans that have uh, that have caused a lot of the problems. Um, uh, so when we get to the voice, Jack, and, and Australia, Australians watching on what's going on in Alice Springs, I mean, how does it affect? How does it affect that argument? 
Uh, I think that's very hard to know. Um, uh, personally, I doubt that the voice is going to to fix um, uh, the problem of um, uh, Aboriginal disadvantage, Indigenous disadvantage in remote communities. Um, nothing else we've tried so far has fixed that, uh, and I don't think the voice is going to be a magic wand either. Um, every time we've thought that this was the case, whether it's land rights, um, uh, whether it's Kevin Rudd's apology to the stolen generations, none of these things have made any difference. The land rights, perhaps a little bit in some areas. Oh, yeah, in some areas where yeah. there are minerals. Yeah, where there are <laughs> minerals, yeah. Um, uh, but uh, generally speaking, none of these things on a, on a widespread scale have made much difference at all to the problems in remote Indigenous communities, and I don't think the voice will either. Well, it's entirely possible, Jack, that... that um uh, that, that, that the issues that arise in particularly in remote communities uh, are possibly not solvable, and we've, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Um, uh, any 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 uh, community living where there is essentially no economy yeah. is is going to struggle is going to struggle with you know poverty related issues like crime, like alcoholism, drug abuse, etc., and, and all the. You know, and the sort of sundry knock-ons like domestic violence and violence generally. This is not a partisan issue, by the way. Um, uh, governments of both political persuasion and good people from all across the political spectrum have spent a lot of time and a lot of money, without much effect, on trying yeah. to fix this, trying to fix this problem. Um, I, I, I think and, where and, you and, don't and, have economies, that then you, yeah. you you you're always going to struggle. You'll just keep throwing money in the area and and. And for no great result, no yes. improvement. Yeah, and I think this should be sort of, in a sense, kept separate from the voice, because I don't really believe that the voice is going to fix this. Um, uh, and and the voice, but that we, we just not to say the voice is not a good idea. Um, they're just they're just different problems. Yeah, so look, one of one of my uh, Twitter followers and someone I follow as well uh, goes by the name of uh, Reference Group um, suggested this uh, uh, in terms of Alice Springs. He said, youth engagement requires 20 years of uninterrupted funding for children's sports, arts and community projects, not a one-day visit from a politician highlighting disengagement or increasing jail sentences for children. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But again, we get back to this problem of uh, particularly remote communities. Alice Springs is not one of those, by the way. It's not a remote community, but but no, the remote but communities the, outside the, it. Um, most of the most of these kids are from remote communities yeah. and come into Alice Springs and live in the, what are called the town camps. So it's so it's a it's a remote community problem. Yeah, um, but it's not actually in the remote communities. It's in Alice Springs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, lastly, well, there are some communal problems. Part of it's communal ownership of property and all that sort of stuff. You know, um, uh, uh, it's hard to build an economy in these remote places because they're remote. But it's also hard to build it within the within the cultural context of communal ownership, etc. And, and that's a really tricky problem to address. But it's going to have to be at some stage. Yes, indeed. All right, Jack. Um, uh, you've come up with an issue close to your heart, or, uh, particularly with your professional background in uh, immigration law, um, and it would seem that there there is a thirty eight thousand backlog of asylum claims at, at the Administrative Affairs Tribunal. Jack, how has that happened? Um, it's happened because 
the, the reason why this usually happens is that someone's found a, a little hole in the system and, and the backlog actually creates a further backlog. It's sort of a, a snowballing effect. Right. Um, so once you've got a long backlog and people know it's going to, um, it's going to take Years. Uh, two years or three yeah. years or four years to have your asylum claim dealt with, then if you want to stay in the country, if, for instance, you're, um, you're here from the Pacific Islands on an um, uh, a, a agricultural work visa, or if you just want to come into the country as a tourist visa from, in this case, Malaysia and China, you can come in um, and your immigration agent will fill out an application for a protection visa um, uh, and and you will get a bridging visa for the meantime uh, while that's dealt with. And that means you can stay in Australia and probably work illegally for two or three or four or five years. Oh, so you can't work on that on that temporary generally, bridging visa? Generally speaking, speaking, no, but they do, of course. Right. Yeah. right, yeah, but they're actually going to be subject to exploitation as workers there too, aren't yes. they? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, so it's not it's, a good situation. Where, 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 where are these thirty-eight thousand uh, applic- applicants essentially from? Are we sort of looking at places like Sri Lanka? You mentioned Malaysia before. Um, a lot of them came initially from Malaysia and then from China. Right. Uh, and, and so there what's are, the answer? There are, there are How do we fix it? There are unscrupulous people in the migration business. I, I, can't, I can't believe that, Jack. Yeah, yes, yeah, so, yeah. uh, who are happy to do this. Um, it's very easy to do. You charge them a fee um, uh, and nothing much happens. Um, the, the, and, and the longer, and, and the longer that, that period between a review by the AAT... The more well, they charge. firstly a primary decision, then a review by the AAT, and so, we're talking about um, some groups of people where um, uh, the failure rate for the initial application can be as high as one hundred percent. So none of them get a visa at the at the primary level, but they can happily apply to the AAT to have that reviewed, which might get them another two years. Mm. And of course, that means more money in the pockets of uh, of the agents, doesn't it? You know, of, the longer un- it goes on, the more money they get. Yeah, of the unscrupulous people who are uh, who are uh, promoting this. That's true. That's true. How do we fix it? I mean, I do know that um, that the immigration department has been working hell for leather getting um, getting people into the country to uh, to work on um, to, to, basically to, to work in the agricultural sector and yeah. in the meat working sector and so forth, get, get, getting them in on short-term working visas. Um, and I know that they're being pumped in the economy because, you know, the, the economy is screaming out for that labour. Yes. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's a separate issue and, and the two things aren't related really. Okay. So how do we fix this backlog, Jack? How do we fix the backlog? Um, um, the Indonesians used to tell us with the, about the boat arrivals, is take the sugar off the table. Um, and the same thing applies here. You take away um, the the thing that um, encourages this. Well, the two-year the, delay. It's the delay. It's exactly right. So you've got to put, um, at, at the primary level, at the department level, um, I think what you do is you put in a, uh, you hire a special group of task force of people who deal with this backlog and they deal with it pretty quickly 
because most of these claims are, are non-meritorious, if, you know, as they're termed. In is that your is that your best guess? Yeah. So you do that first of all, and then at the AAT level, you do something similar. Um, you speed up the process for some of these claims. So when you're talking about Malays, we'll just wrap it up in a minute, but when you talk about Malays and, and Chinese people, these are people who are seeking to come to Australia and work, perhaps permanently, uh, and they are lodging asylum claims because they understand that they'll at least have a two-year period um, until their cases are, are reviewed and determined by the AAT. More like four or five, but yes, um, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a backdoor way of getting into Australia, if you like. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, it is not only uh, Chinese New Year, Jack, and I believe your public holidays extend until Thursday. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Until about Easter, I think, man. <laughs> but, but if you're going to extend it till Thursday, even un, uh, even in Australian circumstances, you know everyone's not going to be working on the Friday. Yeah, that's probably um, right. Uh, no, no, but, I, I think think some of the places of employment go back on Thursday. Yeah. Well, on Thursday, of course, it's Australia Day, the 26th of January, and probably as as we record this, that will be the day in which this podcast is released, possibly the day before Australia Day. Um, we don't say Happy Australia Day very much. It's always a silly thing to say, but we don't say it very much these days, and it seems to be uh, hopelessly conflicted now, Jack. We, we didn't used to say it at all much, certainly as a... Growing up as a Victorian, yeah, but pe- uh, people are saying Happy Wednesday now. You know, yeah. Um, um, people, it didn't used to matter much until 1988. That's where that's where Australia Day really took off. It was the bicentennial day, um, uh, and after that, it became a thing. Before that, it wasn't much of a thing, but after 1988, it was a fabulous day in Sydney on uh, Bicentennial Day, 1988. One of the best weekends I've ever had in my life, I think. I think I was um, playing cricket, Jack, uh, um, in Melbourne, so I missed uh, well, out on I was, a lot of the festivities. Uh, I was up. Um, uh, my, my our mutual friend uh, John Jr. had a had a, a ten dollar flat with a ten million dollar view um, next to the Harbour Bridge in uh, in Kirribilli, and oh, very a, nice. We had, we're having a few drinks and a, a barbecue out there, um, watching it all happen, um, and it was just a fabulous day. And people, uh, it was. Uh, I had to walk back to Paddington across the bridge. Um, there's millions of people around, not a bit of argy-bargy, uh, um, and it was there was a real joy in the city um, of Sydney around Bicentennial Day. And after that, at least in Sydney, um, uh, uh, Australia Day became a real thing. And the last one I celebrated in, in, uh, in Sydney was, I think, uh, 2008 before uh, I moved up to Hong Kong. And uh, I was at the Phoenix watching a few races. I have a little local that you and I used to go to, the only tradie pub in uh, in Willara. That's that's, um, that's just a, but that's just a normal Saturday for you, mate. Uh, and uh, and the young people, you know, the twenty and thirty year olds from the area, um, you know, were up on the pool table, standing on the bar, belting out down under, and it was a huge celebration. And this little pub was a beauty. I mean, it, it did have a lot of tradies in there, but it, being in the eastern suburbs. It was also a place where you could buy a glass of Coke or a bag of Coke, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a bit of that going on, as I yeah. recall, the Phoenix. Uh, but, but, little... you know, 2000, 2008, it was huge, um, Australia Day, and it was very young, uh, very multicultural group, and they were just loving it. 
But it's yeah, all, look, but it's, it's it's clearly changed. Look, I'll, I'll get, just go back into the history. That, that, that Australia Day, we had an Australia Day in April, uh, going back uh, going back some years. Uh, you know, going back to the early history, and I'm not quite sure what the um, what the genesis of the April Australia Day was, but we did have an Australia Day. And now I have seen this statement made, but I'm not quite sure about its veracity. But that, that, that Australia is the only day, the, the Australia is the only is the only country that celebrates um, uh, colonisation, uh, the day of colon when, the day when colonisation began. Now I'm not quite sure that that would cover all of the British Empire and all of the European um, colonies uh, going back a hundred or so years. Um, but it has clearly become a very divisive issue. I saw the Australian women's cricket team uh, discuss it. They have an Indigenous member there and they said, look, we can't control scheduling, so we'll be playing on Australia Day, um, but we are going to be very sympathetic to uh, to Indigenous people who regard this, uh, Indigenous Australians who regard this as, as a day of sorrow rather than a day of celebration. And I just don't know how we... How we uh, how we resolve this issue? I saw uh, Rowan Dean has, has imposed a uh, a, uh, a self imposed uh, a boycott of Kmart, who are not selling Australia Day <laughs> flags and what have you. You know, culture war stuff just all over the place. Um, personally, personally, I think it will solve itself. Um, I it, think it will. I think it. It, it, it but sort I of think came out of nowhere with with 1988, yeah. and it might disappear back into nowhere like it yeah. was pre 1988. Who knows? But um, let just let the the, the natural cultural almost an organic sort yes, of yes. An, an organic sort of movement. And I think we're sort of we're getting well on the way. Whether we might have a change of date, we can't have January one because we already have January one. January one really was the day in which this nation was created, and our bloody forefathers should have thought about that and said, "Look, let's just do this on January two, and then we can have a longer weekend than usual." It was really, really just lacking foresight. Yeah, at any event, I think the, the, the 26th is the wrong day, um, even if you're celebrating uh, the arrival of the, the colonists because <coughs> that was just the day they planted the flag. Um, yeah. The real celebration should be the day four or five days later when they let all the blokes and the girls off the boat and gave them a ration of rum or three, you know, yes, um, and, 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 and Sydney's first party started, you know. <laughs> and, and, look, I would think it would be fairly unacceptable by today's standards, the sort of behaviour oh, that took place <laughs> That took place there. Uh, well, certainly it horrified the governor yes. uh, and uh, there were threats of hangings if, the, if this sort of behaviour continued. But it, but it did set a standards for Sydney for the, from there on, didn't it? I really? did write a piece many years ago that I probably wouldn't write today, saying that that was the day we should uh, celebrate a nationhood, which, which is essentially a drunken orgy, Jack. Yes, yes. All right. Yeah. Look, I, I agree with you. I think this thing will will occur, you know, resolve organically over a period of time. It may be linked to the voice in some way. It, it, it's certainly true that. It, it is not what it was in 1988, uh, and 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 companies are offering people the ability to work and take another uh, take another day's leave elsewhere and so forth. There is a great deal of division around it, and that'll be the way it's reported again. A day of sorrow for Indigenous Australians. We we understand and appreciate that. Uh, whereas basically, other people who have migrated to Australia, not so much colonists, not so much. Uh, 
convicts uh, shipped over here, uh, but those people who have chosen to come to this country, they have a different view altogether. Yeah, and most of us are in the second category, where where the the descendants of migrants who came a long time after 1988, um, uh, but. There is a lot to celebrate about um, uh, what's been done in Australia since then. All right. So that takes us uh, all the way uh, past Australia Day, the 26th of January. It's also sort of rather poorly placed. I suspect employers are a little bit annoyed by it because everyone's just coming back, been back for a couple of weeks and then they're off for another holiday. Um, yeah, well, if you, if, if you talk to um, people from other parts of the world in Hong Kong who work in the financial sector, financial services sector, they'll say, well, Australia Day is kind of the market. There's no point in bringing anyone in Sydney until after Australia Day because they're all at the beach. That's yeah. true. Well, it, it's not so much these days. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it used to be that way. And basically, Australia was on holidays until the, until the 27th of January. It's yeah. not so much. I've noticed a bit of a change there that the people are coming back much much earlier now, you know. So, so really that post-New Year's period, people are back at work by the second week of January and, and then we stop for Australia Day. If you wanted to perfectly um, separate these things, you'd look at Easter, you'd look at uh, New Year's Day and you'd plonk something right in the middle of it uh, and break up uh, break up the, the drudgery of work, Jack. You mean like Moomba used to be in Melbourne? What was, what was that all about? <laughs> that was Labor Day. That was a Moomba Day. It, it, we used to call it Moomba Day as kids, but it was just, it was our Labor Day, the celebration of the 40-hour week in Victoria, uh, and that also coincided with, well, I think it was generally Lou Richards in the back of a uh, back, back of a convertible <laughs> being uh, praised as the uh, as the of the Victorian of Victorian of the year. Less said about Zig and Zag, it must be said. I think Zag was the was a man who uh, was uh, accused of uh, uh, child sex offences. Um, uh, in the states, Jack, um, uh, <laughs> what are they going to do? And maybe maybe we could ask this question of some of our own political representatives. But what are we going to do about about some of these candidates who are clearly inappropriate? I mean, we've got George Santos there, the fabulous, fabulous from uh, from Brazil, if you believe he's from Brazil, where he may or may not have been a drag queen, uh, setting himself up as uh, as a Jewish representative, earning earning the support and financial support of uh, of Long Island communities who voted Republican for the first time in a long time, and then they end up getting a black. <laughs> well, George Santos may not actually be his name. Um, yes. he, he certainly uh, has used a number of names down the years. We know that <laughs> at this stage. It's, you know? a, it's an extraordinary story. You just have to wonder how. Well, it's a primary process, so he's so he's won his Republican primary uh, to to represent the Republican Party, and then gone on to win the seat in basically what is a little bit of Queens and a lot and, and a fair a bit of, of Long Island. Island. Yeah, the, the, the failure here really isn't the primary pro, pro, uh, uh, process. The failure is that the media didn't pick up on this. The media used to be much more savage about looking at people and and seeing what their background was, and they just don't do it. Well, if you promote yourself as one Jewish and be gay, I'd suggest that ticks a lot of boxes in terms of the yes. way the media will view you, um, that you you know, that, that Santos, the stuff that was written about Santos, and Adam Creighton from, Creighton from The Australian act, <laughs> happily acknowledged this, um, that he looked to be, <laughs> on what he was presenting about himself, he looked to be, in a sense, the sort of 
the um, uh, the the, progr- the 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 future of the progressive wing of the Republican Party. Yeah, all, all, he, all he needed was a bit of a limp, really, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it 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 it, it, it <laughs> that's, that that is. Horribly cynical, Jack. I've only just got that. Um, yeah, so it's a really funny thing, and of course, m- more uh, more seriously, um, uh, in New Mexico, a, a, a Republican state legislature. Can, can, can I just say that's that the, the problem with it? Problem with it is that's the dead end of identity politics. That's where it takes you. <laughs> it, it probably it probably has a long uh, a fair bit to do about it. In, in New Mexico, of course, a, a Republican state legislature candidate. Who was unsuccessful, winning a less around about a quarter of the vote, uh, has been uh, arrested and charged with allegedly hiring people to shoot at homes of of his political rivals, of his Democrat Democrat rivals. Uh, pretty unpleasant situation that. Yeah, they're sort of not accepting the results um, uh, and arguing about it. <laughs> yes. Then there's hiring people to shoot at your opponents, yes. isn't it? You know, um, is, uh, is, this, is this where is this the end? You know, the sort of end game for election truthers. If you yeah. if you don't accept the result, uh, you don't I'm shoot you don't, you. don't shake hands anymore. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go and as they as uh, the New South Wales Police call it, discharge firearm at premises. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, very, very strange. And and so so, what do we do? Based this, in this, this 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 bloke had a record as long as your arm. He was um, uh, I know he, he'd been in prison for various <laughs> nasty offences and all that and, yeah, sort of stuff. Serious stuff. Yeah. And so Stephen loosely wrote a piece, uh, wrote an op-ed piece in the Australian uh, about vetting candidates. I don't know. I mean, there's that you can go the other way with this, can't you? And you yep. and you end up getting very sterile people, lawyers, you know, all, yeah. <laughs> to, to a man slash woman. And there are two, what, we got way, way too many, law, way too, too too many, many. lawyers in yeah. government in Australia now. And um, we would like to see a few more scientists, a few more engineers, a few. I mean, so, so you know, the, the idea, but 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 just putting vocation aside, the idea that you cannot be. Um, pre-selected as a candidate, if you've got a bit of a colourful background, I think there's a real danger in that too. Yes. Um, that we end up just having sanitised people. You know, yes, you know, I know quite a few of the pollies running around, and and at least they present themselves. They might not be that you know behind closed doors, but at least they present themselves as fairly sort of um, uh, almost like naivets. I mean, as sort of innocent people, you know. I won't mention the won't mention the man who's uh, that I'm talking about. I won't even mention uh, what title he currently holds. But I went up and had a bit of a chat to him, and I was throwing throwing a bit of uh, throwing a bit of nonsense around uh, about the way politicians were perceived. And he sort of looked at me blankly and was kind of like, "Mate, you're allowed to have a laugh, you know." You're yeah, well, the, the best ca- best cabinet of our lifetime um, had a, quite a variety of people in it. Yeah, there were there was a sheep shearer, yeah, butcher, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and 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 I think that's that is the couple answer. of farmers, you know. I think that's the answer to to all the problems of 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 our major parties. We know the libs are having some fairly serious problems at the moment, um, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about New South Wales. We'll probably put that on the list uh, to talk about next week, Jake. Um, the New South Wales election yep. is. Uh, uh, around about two months away now, um, but there, there, there have been some real problems in terms of pre-selecting people, and and of course with the uh, 
uh, with the with the uh, uh, the death of uh, Jim Molwan, there's been a number a bit of speculation about who should fill it, including Tony Abbott, um, and that was just a thought bubble from Michael Kroger. It must be said, but you think that's not really progressing anything, is it? You know. Um, uh, the, the, the more, most likely candidate is uh, the CEO of uh, um, uh, Catholic Education in New South Wales, who's also a male. Um, um, but um, uh, you do find the sort of shenanigans occur when you do get these casual vacancies in the Senate, for example. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I, I really like Stephen Leslie's pieces in the paper, I've got to say. Uh, I think he makes a good contribution, but I think he got this one wrong. Yeah, um, terribly uh, wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, it's not just we have too many lawyers. I think we still have too many professional politicians. You need some professional politicians, but I think we've got too many people whose only background really is... Uh, student is politics, then worked, worked as a staffer. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's both sides, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Student this politics. Is, this, is, this is not a partisan thing. This is, you know, <laughs> no, I think student generally politics, across the Work as a staffer, bang, into the parliament, yeah. whether it's I mean, the Senate or the House. I mean, if you're, you're in the House, at least, you've, at least you can claim to be, you know, um, popularly elected. I don't think you could say that so much with the Senate. Um, um, and, and, and really, we, and we no experience of, of life outside... No outside perhaps what we might call the darker side of politics yeah never had to never had to make a budget never had to run anything um, uh, and never I think had to employ people yeah or sack people um, mm. you know um, so I think that's a problem um, and I don't think you can fix that by a vetting process which is what Stephen Leslie was suggesting I think that's just we, we just need to hope we get better at it yeah. Yeah, but I think the, the, the point for both political parties, and certainly the Liberal Party was struggling, is get some people with real backgrounds, you know, with, 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 with real backgrounds, uh, people who aren't selected uh, with a tick from the party machine. Hmm. Uh, staying in the States, Jack, uh, oh, well, we, we did start there with, uh, uh, with uh, <laughs> the wonderful George, uh, George Santos, um, where are we now with classified documents? Are they now just basically placemats at Joe Biden's house? Um, uh, Where you can read about I, Chinese nuclear <laughs> nuclear capacity <laughs> while, while, while you're having a burger? Uh, I think they're wallpaper, actually. There's so many of them are there now. <laughs> they just keep coming. Uh, well, and it, it's still where it was, I think, last Where we are now with this is that no one's, going to, be, no one's going to be prosecuted. They didn't prosecute Hillary Clinton and they're not going to be able to prosecute um, either Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Well, it would seem that there's certainly reports that, uh, that Joe tried to just basically quietly uh, or, or staff on behalf of uh, President Biden number 46, uh, basically we're just trying to get the docs back uh, very, very quietly so it wouldn't uh, cause too much alarm or media interest. Um, and that's probably a little bit of skullduggery. It's always the cover-up rather than the actual sin uh, that becomes a problem. Um, but, yeah, it just looks like if you haven't got classified documents uh, in your home, Maybe you'll be prosecuted out. for that. Maybe you'll be prosecuted for not having any. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about the differences between Trump and Biden, but it is just, you know, um, uh, there is no, it must be said, there's no top secret stuff in the Biden uh, museum or library, well, I should well, say. Well, well, we don't really know well, that. <laughs> yes, it's true, I suppose. Look, we, and I don't think we've come to the end of the count. No, um, no. So, so from, my, from my perspective, 
Yes, there are differences, but it's a distinction without a real difference. Um, uh, and no one's going to get prosecuted for this at all. So um, any, anybody who is fantasising that Donald will be had the cuffs put on for the Mar-a-Lago thing uh, can forget it. Yeah, I think that's true. He might have a bit, bit bigger uh, problem in Georgia, but that's uh, yet yeah, to be determined. Uh, but then, but then people have been telling me he's on his way to jail since war, since about December oh, two thousand and fifteen, when he got elected. Pretty much, pretty much from the time he was twenty-one, Jack. Yeah. Um, from the time he turned twenty-one and took over the old man's business. Um, Davos, Jack, in all the way over to Switzerland in the Alps and some of the wealthiest parts of Sweden. Uh, Switzerland uh, is. Is one of the most expensive states to to uh, countries to uh, to to uh, be a tourist in, uh, but that doesn't seem to bother people who turn up for the World Economic Forum because they're all loaded, Jack. Uh, yeah, John Kerry was the star. Uh, he really is an example of someone promoted well beyond his abilities. I mean, he's he's addressing the, the crowd there, and he says it's pretty pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives, we are able to sit in a room and come together and actually talk about saving the planet. It's almost extraterrestrial. Well, he does look a little bit like ET when you uh, when you think of it. He's a little bit taller, possibly, but uh, yes, he's not a pleasant fellow to look at. Um, It's bizarre. We've talked about uh, Davos on the Condition Release Program uh, and the World Economic Forum more generally. Uh, because a lot of uh, our friends in the freedom movement and so forth, they believe that what happens in Davos just ultimately filters into into government policy around the world, which is not quite the way it works. But it does – you can understand where the conspiracies come from because you do get this – collection of the elite jetting in in their private jets, sitting in their five-star hotel rooms and then popping off for conferences where some of the strangest things in the world are discussed, um, including, uh, you know, that we stop eating meat and um, uh, start eating insects and all this sort of stuff. And, uh, and, 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 you know, so conspiracists look at this and go, this is just the way the world is going. It really is. It maybe was important. Davos maybe was important when it first began, but. Now it's, it's, now it's, it's just comical. <laughs> and now it is just basically, <laughs> basically worthy of lampoon. Yeah. Um, the answer is they don't like us. They hate people. The people like John Kerry, they, they think don't they should, hate people. They just wish there were less of them, Jack. Yeah. Well, they think there should be a, a few more of select people like them, as they think themselves, <laughs> and a lot less of us. Yeah. 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 Uh, look. Anyway, the, the Daily Mail was right on top of this. Um, uh, they had a big piece in there, well-researched, it looked like, um, but the real winners out of Davos were the, um, the, the sex worker trade. Uh, the sex work <laughs> is legal in Switzerland, um, but there were uh, young women, um, and presumably young men, flying in from all around the world to set up shop uh, for the few weeks of Davos. And I've got to tell you, the fees look pretty high, you know. And, uh, hey, that's not going to matter. It's all supply and demand, Jack. Don't worry, yeah. about, the, don't worry about the cost. Uh, that's yeah. not going to be a problem for your average uh, journeyman to Davos. Yeah, look, I think the, the mistake is, um, and it is a mistake that conspiracists make, is that, uh, is that somehow everyone's watching Davos um, and thinking this is the way the this is the way the world is going to go. They have no. changed. They have changed their approach. And 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 in the initials in the initial 
uh, uh, conferences. This was all about opportunity, but now it's about <laughs> a state of permanent crisis in the globe and yeah. how to address that. The, the proper response to John Kerry is not to worry about him, it's to laugh at him. And whether he's making exactly a fool right. of himself in Davos or whether he's taking, um, uh, what's his name, Taylor across to France to sing, uh, you've got a friend um, uh, uh, <laughs> after a shooting. Um, uh, the, absolutely the best response to John Kerry is just to enjoy it for what it is. It's a comedy. Yeah, all right. So uh, Davos really doesn't matter. The, you know, it, it is veering into irrelevance more than anything, and veering yeah. into veering into comedy more than irrelevance, perhaps. Um, more serious matters, Jack. Uh, the Ukraine and Russia. Uh, the tanks from Germany are on hold. That was uh, that was almost a fait accompli last week, and now um, the German government has said no. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no one really knows how many tanks the Russians have got uh, in reserve because no one, and, and we suspect that perhaps even the Russians don't know is how many of them are operational. Um, yeah, I suspect there's there's a there's a fair bit of eeny, meeny, miny, mo going on yeah. uh, when they look at the battlefield. Oh no, 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 that one's got uh, that one's got a hole in it. We can't yeah. use that one. Um, and that's what you get when you get a, a, a very corrupt military is that people say, "Yeah, oh, well, we've been working on all yeah. those tanks." You know, um, yeah, um, they're and, ready to go. Yeah, they're ready to go, and of course they're not. Um, I was interested to see. Um, uh, what Sanna Marin, the, uh, the Prime Minister of Finland, had to say. Uh, her comment the other day was, we don't know when the war will end, but we need to make sure this will end with Ukraine's win. Hurrah. Um, um, and um, that seems to be the consensus in the, yep. in the Nordic and Central uh, um, uh, Eastern right. European, except for Hungary. Um, that they That's want right. Ukraine to win. Of course, and the so, question is, what does an Ukraine win look like is the problem, I think. Uh, yeah, look, I've read a little bit about this, but but I just really want to talk about that dynamic, Jack. And, and when you're talking about Finland, when you're talking about um, um, the uh, the Scandinavian nations and Eastern Europe, the Eastern, Europe sta- Eastern European states like um, uh, Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania... Um, uh, they're in the gun. So you can understand, with the possible exception of Hungary, which has got its own political dynamics at work, uh, you can understand why they are a little bit more um, uh, belligerent towards the Russians than the Western, the rather lazy Western Europeans uh, are, like uh, the, uh, uh, the French, the Spanish and the Germans, because this is, to them at least, existential. Yeah, they really can see Russia from the kitchen window. That's right. Uh, yeah, unlike, yeah, unlike, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was that the vice presidential candidate? Yes. Um, 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 oh God, she had, she had another crack as uh, Alaskan governor, didn't she? And got yeah. the got the got the fleet. Uh, um, yeah, no, n- nothing like proximity concentrates the mind uh, wonderfully about this sort of thing, doesn't it? You know. Yeah. Look, there, there, there certainly is in Western Europe. There's an emerging view that it is time to negotiate a settlement here, which would uh, which would presumably allow. Uh, lines on the map to be redrawn to allow Russian territory into the, the Donbass. Now, morally and ethically, when we look at this, that would that would basically be uh, an acknowledgement that uh, a, a, a large country invading a small one and pinching their territory was okay. Yeah. 
uh, bombing their cities into uh, oblivion and killing their citizens was perfectly okay. And and in the end, we'll just have to come to a solution about it. I understand the practicalities of it. I understand everyone wants the war to end. But like Santa Mara, my view is uh, you... Uh, uh, you need to you need to defeat Russia here. Uh, you, you need to defa- defeat Russia there, and and you know basically they become uh, the opprobrium of the world for a very very long time. Uh, the poles are interesting too when we talk about uh, Eastern Europeans. Uh, the poles, the poles, and the Russians have got history, Jack. It's fair, it's fair to say, and it goes back more than just a hundred years. It goes back about three or four hundred. Yeah. Uh, and we might remember uh, last year when uh, there was a Ukrainian missile misfire, which uh, uh, which smashed into Polish territory, uh, killing I think two people. Um, and uh, and and the early reporting was that uh, it was a Russian missile that had landed on Polish land, and and, uh, and and everyone became very agitated because that was a technical breach uh, of the NATO treaty and would require a NATO military response. But what uh, what was interesting about that to me was that the Poles, when they heard the news, they were all go right, let's go, Moscow. Uh, and, and it's <laughs> sort of like Carlton v Collingwood with Armin. It's, 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 really. it's a little bit like that, and they were raring to go. There was a funny, uh, there was a funny sort of um, uh, um, epilogue to that story, in that the the the, the town that was uh, was hit with the Ukrainian stray missile. Uh, was visited upon by uh, the Ukrainian uh, the members of the, the Ukrainian army, who gave the mayor, um, uh, in a sort of odd sort of gift, um, uh, by way of compensation, gave him a rocket rocket propelled grenade launcher, and uh, the mayor of the town, oh, said, <laughs> fingering the triggers, how do I make this work? And blew a hole through the roof of the building. Basically, blew the building up. No one was. Well, I'm not saying no one was hurt because they probably were, but uh, but no one was killed. Uh, mm. but strange gift, strange mm. gift. Give someone an RPG launcher. Mm. Uh, but yes, there is that. There is that. Uh, there is that sort of. I wouldn't call it a schism, but there's a very, very grave difference between um, uh, between those uh, Europeans in the east uh, and those on the west who are looking at this, counting the cost of. Uh, uh, of war in terms of uh, impact on economies through energy policy and what have you. Yeah, and and a good deal of the uh, the German government seems to be in the in in the pocket of the of the Russians. It's a problem as well. Yeah, indeed. Um, uh, which makes us wonder, Jack, why isn't Vladimir Putin dead yet? I mean, basically, the medical report that I, uh, and completely unconfirmed, but the medical report that I uh, read uh, over the New Year's period was that he had two forms of cancer, one of them pancreatic, which is, generally speaking, uh, get your pretty, affairs pretty in order, quick. you won't be around for long, mm. uh, and as well as uh, a nasty dose of Parkinson's disease. He doesn't look well. Um, when I see him, he does look puffy like he's been on the roids uh, and that might be the case, but that's kind of wild speculation as well. Um, the problem with the problem with this, and this was a thought piece, this is a sort of comment piece from The Guardian saying, you know, basically um, uh, <coughs> Vladimir Putin is, you know, when will the end come for him uh, as, as a leader, not so much as a, as a human being? Where will the end come from him? And, and the answer to that is, there's no one else. There, there, there really literally is no one else to lead Russia at the moment. 
and and his demise uh, politically or or physically would cause an enormous vacuum that I, I'd suggest the West does not really want to have a look at and might you know what what would arise after Putin's demise would potentially be worse than Putin himself. It could be. Um, I personally doubt that Russia can be defeated, um, that, that what we, we're going to, look, going to look at what the world's going to look like um, at the end of this process. Russia's still going to be there. Um, well, so, this got, was so, the... so we have to work back from that as to work out what can, what can, what can be uh, a solution that might work. Well, that was the view of Mark Milley, uh, the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Um, he said uh, basically that it was not impossible uh, for uh, the for the Ukrainian army to push the Russian army back beyond those February twenty four borders, February twenty four, twenty twenty two. He said it wasn't impossible, <coughs> but it seemed most unlikely to him, and that brought along a lot of this discussion about how this war was to be resolved. Let alone pushing the Russians out of Crimea. I I just think that's perhaps a bit of a a big ask. Yeah, look, over in the UK, Jack, um, uh, and this this happens all over the world, particularly in Australia, when's the last time you had a fast food burger? And you're you're batching at the moment, so I would reckon it mightn't have been that far, that long ago. Uh, Probably about a a week or so ago, um, I had a... um, um, well, I know what when I was having my my last my most recent little dose of COVID, I ra- I got Deliveroo to bring me a burger and fries. Was that uh, from any particular a chain, or was that uh, uh, was that one of your indies? Uh, a place called Flame. It's an indie, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, no, I think they might have some sort of representation here too. No, uh, no. This is this is just a. a whole this is it. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Look, uh, if Professor Susan Jebb, uh, who's the chairwoman of the Food Standards Agency in the United Kingdom, is anyone to go, you have committed a thought crime, Jack. I have. Um, just even talking about it. Uh, she said that advertising of junk food is undermining people's free will. Uh, uh, she said, uh, while it is a choice to eat sweet treats, people can help each other by providing a supportive environment. Oh, good Lord. She told the Times, we all like to think we're rational, intelligent, educated people uh, who make informed choices the whole time, and we undervalue the impact of the environment. If nobody brought cakes into the office, I would not eat cakes in the day. But because people do bring cakes in, I eat them. Now, okay, I have made a choice, but people were making a choice to go into a smoky pub. She really doesn't like cakes, pubs, or burgers, Jack. With smoking, she said, after a very long time, we have got to a place where we understand that individuals have to make some effort, but that we can make their efforts more successful by having a supportive environment. You need a supportive environment, Jack, always. Always, We, yes. we still don't feel like that about food. Um, she, she, she wants to ban, ban she wants the to idea. shame people that's what she, she wants to do she wants to shame people not to take a cake into the office on your birthday <laughs> um, and that's there's, actually there's, and there's that's actually no the rush you need just to get you through the afternoon there's just no end of anywhere anybody might be having a bit of fun these people will be trying to stop it you know she also insisted restrictions on advertising junk food were not about the nanny state, mm, but would instead tackle what she described as, 
and I quote again, complete market failure where sweet goods take precedence over vegetables. Advertising vegetables, Jack, it's a tough thing to do. Um, she told the paper, uh, and I believe this is uh, the Daily Mail, uh, the businesses uh, with the most money have the biggest influence on people's behaviour. That's not fair. We've ended up with a complete market failure because what you get advertised is chocolate and not cauliflower. Well, I, I just want to go out there, Jack, and just say, if cauliflower was advertised, would you buy it? Um, do you think people are going to take a, a, a head of cauliflower into the office for their birthday? <laughs> Just <laughs> stick a candle in it and then gnaw on it afterwards. Um, yeah, look, this is just, just nanny state stuff, isn't it? I mean, people, are you trying to tell me that people are incapable of making an informed choice about buying a, a, uh, a, a, a chain-style hamburger? Yeah, and, yeah, no, I just get and, and what would be the difference in calories if they basically made their own hamburgers? I mean, there's virtually nothing, no difference there at all. Um, and um, yeah, so this is just terrific nanny state stuff. Yeah, we need she, to have a supportive she, she, she environment. Was, she was jumped on. She was jumped on by the government within a couple of days. They, you know, they had to they had to put a stop to this. Uh, um, uh, she, might, she might be looking. For, she might be looking for a new career. I think. <laughs> well, it did happen in, uh, in in what what we call probably the saddest, uh, the saddest, almost ludicrous, um, a political scandal in recent times when uh, Prime Minister Sunak was uh, found not wearing his seatbelt, Jack. Uh, to, to film a short video advertising something or other, you know. It, uh, it wasn't yeah. even particularly political, but because he'd taken the seatbelt off, probably because he's, he's a very snappy dresser, he probably didn't want to crease the seat. Savile Row, you know. Yeah, and, uh, crumple the seat. Yeah. Uh, but also, Jack, he's in a motorcade and very unlikely that there's going to be any car accidents. Anyone's just no, pinging in yeah, from the yeah. side and T-bone him. So I don't know that he... Has to actually win a, a wear a seatbelt, but um, uh, uh, yes, he copped a nice old round in the in, in the media, and it was more of that kind of um, uh, Kate Gate sort of stuff. You know, it was more yeah. like, yeah, they, we can't get away with it, but he can sort of stuff. Yeah. He did agree that he would pay the fine. I thought, well, it's not as if you got much choice, have you? I mean, it's not yeah. as if you're going to set someone to. Set someone and, in your um, government to have the fine waived. And he wouldn't have the he wouldn't have the amount in his pocket, but one of the fellows running around behind him would. Uh, yes, he's, he's uh, a rich man. Just to, just to continue continue on with the continuing farce of the House of Windsor, Jack Prince uh, Andrew has assembled a ten million dollar war chest to launch a legal case against Virginia Giefer. Uh, Virginia Giefer, as we've discussed on the program earlier, uh, uh, she uh, she is compelled not to discuss her settlement uh, until, I believe, March, and then she can go hell for leather. Now, there's yeah. been a lot of reporting that the photo, the very infamous photo with her, uh, a- Andrew's arm around her, and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell in the background. Maxwell has come forward and said that she believes that photo is doctored um, and uh, she's never seen an original and all this sort of stuff. I, overall, Jack, no matter no matter how this goes, and they're going to attack this Virginia Giefer who really has, I've, I've looked at this a number of different ways and she's got, she would seem to me to have a fairly legitimate claim of being abused by... Uh, uh, by that little uh, uh, prostitution uh, ring that um, uh, Maxwell was a part of. Um, and they're going to try and crush her. But 
I think any time <laughs> Prince Andrew makes the papers is a bad is a bad time for the for the Royals. Well, it's a bad time for Prince Andrew, I think. Well, he, he wants he wants he wants. I think he wants his golf membership back, doesn't he? All those all those uh, all those honorariums that he's uh, that that, he's, that have been stripped of them. He wants them all back. He wants to be restored in the public public's uh, public eye, and it's just not going to happen. No, the, the horse is bolted. Uh, he's got a bit of the Edward the Eights about him, I must say. Yeah, that's that sort of uh, thing that people most sort of hate about the Royals. This sort of uh, yeah. Gross, it, bloated it, it, entitlement. He's um, he's going down the John Elliott um, uh, road uh, <laughs> you, where you, you where you, you have it away if you're yeah. sensible, or you're yeah, going yeah. To, you're going to start another stink. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And New Zealand Jack Jacinda Ardern uh, basically uh, uh, decided to put the uh, the cat. Uh, so, sorry, uh, to put uh, uh, to put the uh, cue in the rack. Um, and uh, uh, this is after, uh, well, she's won two elections, one essentially by negotiation with, with, by coalition, and then she had a spanking win in 2020. Um, but her stocks have uh, slid fairly uh, fairly significantly. Um, in the 2020 election, she had a negative 1% approval rating amongst New Zealanders, uh, that's with a landslide win. That's not a bad effort. And now it's never negative 29 and Labor with a U, New Zealand Labor, uh, uh, considered unelectable with her at the, according to polling, with her at, at, at the boss. Even with uh, the contributions of the Greens and the Maori Party, they would not be able to form government. Uh, what's her legacy, Jack? We did see Greg Sheridan weigh in there and... Twitter uh, got most upset, or many members of Twitter got most upset about it. They did, they did. I don't think she was too bad. I mean, I don't. I'm not a, really a fan of the smug, pious approach to uh, to life or politics. But um, and she was a bit like that. Um, she, but, she had that element to her. I'll, I'll yeah, name a couple of she, mistakes that she made. But you but, she, but but she was very. She had a nice, relatable manner for a lot of people. She was good at. She was excellent post the Christchurch shooting. She had. Excellent. She struck just the right note with that. Um, uh, she's a bit. Um, got a bit of the Helen Clarks about her and she spent a bit of time working overseas and she thinks all those international organisations are really important and I think that's a bit Yeah, she was really. a World Economic Forum, Forum person, um, disciple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, think, I think all of that's a, a dead end really, but uh, she wasn't too bad, um, you know. She um, managed to managed to win a big election and I think she's read the writing on the wall and said, well, it's time to go. I looked at some of the economic fundamentals in comparison to Australia's, and uh, while there might be a, a revision, a government revision of uh, growth projections for this year uh, for New Zealand, uh, certainly they're up around three point seven, while we're uh, chunk, uh, just clunking along at about two point two in yep. terms of projected uh, GDP growth. Uh, GDP. Uh, uh, debt to uh, uh, growth ratio, sort of, sort of debt ratios uh, to to GDP, much lower in New Zealand than they, than there are in, than there are in in Australia. So they don't have that sort of great vast um, 
uh, 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 or public debt um, <coughs> over uh, overhanging them. I think it's about 30, 32 and we're at 41. Um, unemployment and inflation ran about the same. So economically, the, the data doesn't look too bad. I'd say one one area that she made very serious mistake in is is the rollout of their vaccines. That that was a real problem. I mean, we had issues here. Um, some of it attributable to government uh, mismanagement, uh, and a lot of it due to you know the the issues that uh, arise around having new vaccines imposed uh, on people uh, more or less out of the blue. Uh, and, and some of the some of the issues that arose from those vaccines, but but New Zealand was very very slow, and that contributed to this you know um, um, uh, fortress New Zealand sort of policy for a very long time, and long 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 lockdowns and all that sort of stuff until they reached a level of of uh, vaccine uh, rate high enough for them to open up. So that was one real problem. One of the things that uh, uh, the progressives who love her are not inclined to admit is that she's a, she was a low immigration uh, PM. Um, she uh, wanted to, and did, in fact, uh, reduce the number of immigrants coming to New Zealand uh, by a fairly substantial amount, about thirty or 40,000 per annum, which is big in New Zealand terms. So there are a lot of sort of fallacies about her. Uh, you know, I suspect she'd be well-regarded, um, uh you know, she won't be short of she won't be short of job opportunities post politics. She's very young. She's retiring at forty two, which is almost unheard of in politics. Yeah, she'll do exactly what Helen Clark did and get a job in some uh, more or less useless part of the United Nations or the WEF or something, and be paid handsomely for it, Jack. Yes, yeah, and, uh, <coughs> and get to enjoy all the perks that are that are attached to it. Well, the the great the great news, I think, uh, about uh, about the uh, political um, uh, denouement of the Ardern prime ministership is that she's being replaced by a, a man with uh, the most New Zealand of names, Chris Hipkins. Yes, um, and I'm presuming <laughs> that his that his ancestors arrived in New Zealand with the surname Hopkins, but it just got mongrelized over the years, and now he's yeah. Chris Hipkins. We're going to have to train our Aussie newsreaders to say it with the correct accent. Without, without laughing. And, yeah. and <laughs> uh, uh, just as a bit of a background, um, uh, Hipkins um, uh, has been in Parliament as long as uh, uh, Dern has been. Uh, he holds a, a BA. He is a, a bit of a um, – well, he was one of dozens uh, arrested protesting the tertiary review green bill at Parliament. He was uh, a student president at the Victoria University of Wellington. And that group were uh, – the, the dozens arrested, I think 40 of them, uh, received an apology. They're all convicted, and they received an apology and an award of over two hundred thousand dollars was shared among uh, Chris Hipkins and forty odd forty odd other protesters uh, over some particular scandal in New Zealand over funding of um, of tertiary education. Uh, and he also worked for Helen Clark Jack as a parliamentary advisor. So he's he's um, uh, uh, he, he's he's basically pretty much typecast as, as the modern politician jack he's not a lawyer mm. to his credit um, but he is um, uh, he is uh, he's uh, made uh, every uh, other kind of mistake <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right so it's a wonderful thing having chris hipkins there and we'll we'll find out a little bit more about him been in the parliament for a long time knows what he's doing um, um, and i think he's to be sworn and, and he looks about 12 
he, he's, he's um, uh, so he was, look, I'm, I actually don't know his age. Yeah, he does look, um, oh, he's, what is he, 22, 44, 45? Yeah. Um, 44. Um, and uh, he is the, he's about to be sworn in tomorrow, Jack, on the 25th of January. And, um, yeah. Uh, and he is at the moment uh, he's sort of got a super ministry involved, including the public service education, etc. So he knows how government works, uh, and we'll see how we go. New Zealand election due later this year, Jack, yeah. and he's starting. He's starting from uh, well back, well back in the field. Yeah. All right, now there are two types of people in this world, Jack. Well. We, we'll exclude ourselves from this. We, we're rational, logical people. But there are two types of people beyond that, and that is the net zero obsessives and your anti-vax, anti-lockdown groups. And there is basically no space between them in terms of idiocy. Um, but net zero is rearing its ugly head again, mask mandates and and, what, and, and mask mandates and the, the even the suggestion of lockdowns not entertained by government at all, by the way, uh, because we're seeing COVID numbers grow all around the world, particularly in Australia. Yeah, well, the, um, the, the net zero thing, uh, hot off the presses this morning, uh, the news from the UK is that they've got a cold spell there um, uh, in the UK uh, and they have sort of signed up to a net zero approach um, and uh, the national grid, which runs their power supplies over there, are actually paying people to not use power tonight in the UK in order to prevent a blackout. This is the problem you get. Well, they'll have to go to... and buy burgers, Jack. They'll have to go to. They'll have to go to Macca's. This yeah. is completely contrary to what they're saying. This is um, this is what you're trying to do when you try and transition um, away from. Um, uh, uh, fossil fuel produced power to um, uh, renewable power when you haven't got the storage capacity and you haven't got the technology to make it work in the short term, um, you're going to have to take a longer term view of, uh, of the world than that. Yeah, look, they do. <laughs> I don't have a dig here, Jack, but they do have a brand spanking new nuclear uh, nuclear power station in Somerset, uh, which yep. just sadly hasn't come online yet. It's only been 25 years in the construction, so, you know, yep. any time now. Uh, and, look, we are going to have a chat, uh, a serious chat, actually. We want to have a, a chat because uh, the US nu- nuclear, and this is next week, we'll set it aside for next week, uh, the US Nuclear Regu- Regulatory Commission has certif- certified the design for what will be the Un- United States' first small modular nuclear reactor. This is what... Um, uh, the coalition and the national party, in particular in Australia, are advocating as, as, a, as a possible solution to well, a, as a part solution. Where, as a part where, solution. where they see them being used is, for instance, in um, um, uh, in the mining area, where you can put them in a remote location, and rather than try and run or have diesel power for the mine, you stick one of these you know, out in the middle of Western Australia or something, and yeah. you run and you run the neighbourhood mines out of it. We're talking about 50 megawatts, so we're not talking yeah. about something that can power a city. No. Um, and, and, and so, look, the important thing about this is not, to, you know, the, that we are going to discuss it. That is a very important thing, and we're going to do that next week in, and do that in a rational, objective way. But um, but it, really, it's the first time uh, we will have seen – well, it, it's there is one – 
operating in China, as I understand it. I believe um, so, but, yes. But beyond that, it's really just artists' impressions that we're looking at in terms of what a first of what a small modular nuclear reactor might do. Going to do some work on that, and we'll have a chat about that next week. The big ones, the big ones, they take a long time to build and cost a lot of money. Um, Over in sport, Jack, have you been watching the cricket or or have you veered into uh, wokeism and watching the tennis? Well, um, uh, I've been public holidays here, so I've been gathering with a few friends for a, um, an, a late afternoon drink, and um, uh, they've been winning the, the vote, and we've been watching the tennis. The tennis, oh, yeah, well, mainly because I'm, I'm surrounded by Americans at the moment. So. Well, I think last week we were talking about how you know it's going to be great to see how Nick Kyrgios went, but he's uh, he pulled out. He went. He did. <laughs> it didn't last long. He was he was seen on a scooter disappearing uh, with, uh, I think it was Harold's son, uh, claiming that he was illegally using a scooter um, riding around the city streets with his with his girlfriend. But yeah. didn't impact well, on it. Where are we now, Jack? I mean, oh, I who's looking like the likely winner uh, in, in the men's and the women's? We're down to four, and, and Djokovic is in, um, is in great touch. Um, and looks the likely winner. Uh, I find him hard but if he, to... But if he's, if he's going to lose, he'll pull an injury, won't he? Yeah, bound to. Um, if he, he looks like he's going to get rolled, he's the hammy. Looks, yeah, he's got, yeah. he's got or, like a or, Michael or, Clark hammy. Or even if even if someone gets a bit of momentum up, he will pull an, uh, pull an injury time out to stop the momentum. Um, I've always found him very hard to like, but an Irish friend... Uh, sees a bit of him. Uh, this Irish friend lives in Hong Kong, but has a place in Spain. Uh, he practices in the morning, works very hard in the afternoon. He's a lovely fella, has a hit with the kids, and you know uh, all that sort of stuff. So it seems only when he's on the court, he's an awful bloke to deal with. Yeah. Okay. So what about the women? Who's going to well, win? Before there? we leave the men's, there's a bloke, young bloke there, um, Sebastian Corder. I think he's about 22. His father, Peter Corder, who I think was a Czech yes. in those days. Won an Australian Open. And young Sebastian is the youngest member of the family, um, uh, and his two elder sisters have both won uh, golf tournaments in Australia. Um, wow. And uh, uh, I like his comment the other day. He says, "Well, uh, I'm pleased to be winning, but really, I'm the worst, easily the worst athlete in the family." <laughs> it's a little, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like Mike Wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. All right, well, so, so, um, so he's he's a chance as well as is the um, uh, the Greek fella um, uh, uh, who will be very popular in Melbourne, of course. And the women's, uh, I think we've got a Kazakhstan uh, woman, uh, a Latvian, uh, a woman from Belarus, and an American left. Um, and the Belarusian, of course, is in the all-white colours of the club um, uh, yes. uh, because we can't show the Belarus flag. No flags, um, uh, no flags. But she's the most experienced of them, so we'll have to see how it goes. So have you been watching the cricket? I have been watching the cricket exclusively. I, I would have caught about 30 seconds of the tennis. It's just not my go. Um, and I, I look... Uh, the only thing I can say is uh, just to continue to report that the, the two best sides in it are clearly the Sydney Sixers um, and the, the Perth uh, Scorchers, and, and the Perth Scorchers, yeah. Perth Scorchers, who are you know, perennial uh, perennial champions almost. Uh, it's uh, you know come down to five, and they're getting very close to that now. The final's not far away. But what's been remarkable about the BBL is uh, Stephen Smith. Um, uh, or now. 
I, I'm happy to say this. Uh, you know, when uh, when Australia uh, got bounced out of the uh, the T20 World Cup just last year, and, and when he uh, where he couldn't get a game, he was he was yeah he was on the bench for a while there, and uh, and we were saying, look, you know, he's not a he's not a six hitter. He, his role on that side is to knock the ball around and and and, uh, and 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 provide a bit of support for the big hitters around him. Look, he's just come in. He's made. I think his uh, first innings uh, back from Test cricket uh, didn't get many, uh, and then hundred, hundred and sixty-six last night. Sixty, he got fifty in about uh, in about eighteen balls, I think, and he's just spanking them all over the place. The hundred he got on Saturday night in the Sydney Derby uh, was just about the best T Twenty knock I've ever seen uh, at any level, uh, because everyone else. Uh, on on what was a two pace pitch, were really battling to battling with their timing. But he's just I think mean, nine sixes and I think four fours, uh, and uh, not out at the end. Um, just just the most extraordinary thing. He, he he really is the most extraordinary batsman I think I've ever seen. Um, uh, and uh, when he's in form, well, you know, uh, he just he just makes runs for fun. Mm. Yep. But that leads us on to a former uh, prolific run scorer for um, for uh, the Australian cricket team, Jack uh, Michael Clark, and his shenanigans in Noosa. It was like it was. It, uh, uh, look, firstly, I mean, and everyone knows about this. My first thought about this when it, when the, when the news popped up that there'd been a bit of a fracas in a park in Noosa was, oh, Michael Clark, he doesn't play for Australia. I'm not allowed interested. And then once I heard, saw the saw the video and read the reports, I couldn't look away for the next two or three days. Michael Clark. The funniest thing to me was in the blue that he was involved in that that involves uh, Carl Stefanovic and um, and, uh, and and Clark's then girlfriend and uh, he did a hammy he pulled his hammy mm. <laughs> he pulled a hammy while <laughs> having a bit of a stink he had the shirt off as well and it looked like they were all pretty well oiled um, and yelling and screaming and swearing in a public park. By well, and, and well, again, by well oil, you're not referring to the coconut oil. You think they'd been, like, you think they'd been overserved in the restaurant? Is that what you're suggesting? I think they uh, they'd been there a long yeah. time. I yeah. gather, Jack, and uh, there clearly was a bit of uh, a bit of uh, skullduggery about text messages with uh, former girlfriends and what have you that led to all this blue. But for me, the funniest thing was listening to the tape while they're swearing and carrying on at each other, and um, and. and and Clark is doing a hammy, uh, effing and seeing their way around a public park. Was it one one you could hear in the background? One bloke just yell out, "He goes, hey, there's kids around here, mate." And I just thought that was terrific. It was just like just a bogan bogan episode. It would have made would have made news in Hong Kong, Jack Shaw. I, I did see it, um, and I believe his hamstring injury is so severe that he's no longer going to be commentating in India. Yes, it would seem the BCCI t- t- take a very um, 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 dark view on these kinds of shenanigans. Mm. So they, you know, the the upcoming tour of Australia and, and India, the four test series there, it would seem that Michael Clark has been overlooked. Uh, he has got a gig, I believe, covering the Pakistan T uh, Twenty competition uh, in and around the same time. Well, he, he won't um, be being overserved in quite the same way in Pakistan. Yeah, well, there's a lot of cricket being played in India this year. Obviously, the Australian Tour, but then there's the uh, the uh, the uh, ODI World Cup 
uh, being played there, and Michael might be left out of that. I, I did, uh, did I notice just, while all the kerfuffle was going on that on Twitter um, a, a certain name was trending very highly, Simon Cadditch. Simon Cadditch, well, that, of course, goes back to the, uh, the time when uh, uh, after a win in Sydney, the Test team... Uh, were enjoying some libations in the changing room and Michael Clark was very keen to leave. And I believe uh, Jamie Packer's boat uh, had been made available to to the side and he was keen to get there and put on the $500 T-shirt and uh, mix with some uh, mix with some lovely ladies. And, and uh, the other players didn't really want to do that, including Simon Kadich. And they came not to blow so much, but they had a bit of a wrestle and uh, Simon Kadich uh, had the hand around the throat of Michael Clark for some period of time. This is well known in Australian sport. But what isn't perhaps known is that uh, it was uh, relayed later through uh, uh, Simon Kadich's father that uh, Simon uh, Simon Kadich, after after putting the chokehold on uh, Michael Clark, uh, couldn't get rid of the. Uh, couldn't get rid of the fake tan off his hands for three yeah. days. I've only been in the, in, in the Australian dressing room at the SCG just the once. Um, it was at a, um, uh, a Sydney Roosters game uh, and uh, Freddie Fittler uh, took us down there and I can tell you in there that day was Simon Kadich, Michael Clark and Brad Haddon. They were, show- oh, they, yeah, they were yeah. in the box with us and they were showing us around. So, But there, but there was no fisticuffs. No, no, it was all it was all very genteel. I, look, my my one story about this is not so much to Sydney. Great place to go, the, the, the Australian dressing room, but the SCG. You just think, beautiful. Oh, God, you know. Uh, I, I I remember um, uh, this is not so much a dressing room story, but I but I went along for a Victoria New South Wales Sheffield Shield game as, and uh, the last day of that, and as it wrapped up, uh, there were about, there were about twelve people there uh, besides the players, uh, of which I was one. And uh, and they all toddled off for a bit of a drink in the in the dressing rooms, and they left the Sheffield Shield Jack just sitting on a seat. I, I, I thought I could have knocked it off. I could have walked off with it, and no one would have said boo. Um, but of course, I would have been the worst person in the world, unless in the sporting world. So I I left it alone. But it was there to be taken, and uh, it's a rather large it's a rather large shield if you've ever seen it. Yeah, yeah. We used to sit at one end of the bar in the, the members bar. For those of us, for those who haven't been to the members bar at Sydney Creek Ground, it's really really something. It's a not that big a bar, but it one end you have no. the visitors' dressing room, and at the other end you have the Australian dressing room. And if yeah, you're having a beer room. there at the end of a, at the end of a test match, uh, the players will be walking through the bar from one end to the other to go and have a um, uh, go and go and visit each other's dressing rooms. It's really quite yeah. something. Yeah, they're very close together. In fact, they probably share a wall, don't yeah. they? Um, uh, anyway, uh, NHL, Jack, I don't follow the, the hockey much. It, the puck moves too fast. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I've got no idea Just, what's happening. What's going on? Yeah. What's going on? Oh, it's yeah, in the net, yeah. you know. Uh, but there has been a bit of a meltdown. Yeah, huge um, meltdown. Um, uh, some bloke who I think is Ru- a Russian Orthodox, I think he's grew, grew up in Canada, but um, uh, he declined the chance to wear a special pride warm-up kit uh, before a match. Um, and his coach said, well, that's fine. Um, uh, uh, you don't have to. Don't warm up, you know. Um, uh, and uh, and the media were demanding that he be sacked or not allowed to play or whatever. Um, but I've got to say, 
Um, he, he was very respectful for everybody involved. He just said, just not me. You know? um, and that's the attitude I think we should take. Fair enough. And that takes us down to, uh, well, the, well, the NFL. And where are we there, Jack? A, in Super Bowl terms, down, it's not far we're away. we're down to about four. Um, the, the Super Bowl is about the 13th of... Um, of yeah, it used to be around Australia Day, but now they've got the, the week off yeah, between yeah. Um, between uh, the, uh, the 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 two the two bodies uh, um, um, fighting off for their which is next Monday. That's next Monday, and then it's then it comes on on the thirteenth. Is the final? Is the Super Bowl? So who have we got? Oh, um, uh, who's left? I think the Cowboys. Um, uh, uh, the Cowboys went out at the weekend. The Forty Niners are still in there. Um, the Cowboys went out because their um, uh, place kicker, uh, who kicks the conversion, I think he'd missed two for the year and he's missed five in two weeks. Um, uh, um, so um, there's not. So we guess we've got the Eagles and the 49ers. They play off uh, next Monday, American time. And, uh, and, and that's the NFL Conference Championship. Uh, and, and the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs. And. Uh, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals play off there, so the winners of those two will have the week off, and then they'll uh, then they'll play in the Super Bowl, which goes for, uh, goes for about eight hours. Yeah, it's good good to watch the highlights package. I've always yeah. found uh, occasionally uh, turn my I turn my eye to the half uh, halftime entertainment, which there's just sometimes it's absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Um, and you've got a bit of a quote for us that I think should be etched into our consciousness, and this comes from the late great, very wonderful Christopher Hitchens, Jack. Yeah, I, I, I saw, I saw, I hadn't seen it for a long time, but I saw it again this week, and I couldn't resist it. Uh, Christopher Hitchens: Those who are determined to be offended will discover a provocation somewhere. We cannot possibly adjust enough to please the fanatics, and it is degrading to make the attempt. Well said, that man. I mean, look, I, 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 my view is this: if uh, people are going to be offended, I think the only response is to be even more offensive, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. If you're, you're going to be it's offended, go right ahead and be offended. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, you want to give us the word of the year, not for this year, but for last year, yeah. as, uh, as that's all happened. Polarisation. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I'd have to agree with Everything's that. Everything's always about uh, polarisation. Oh, and anyone who's recently died has been a polarising yeah, figure. Yeah. Um, uh, there have been many polarising figures uh, have uh, uh, fallen off the branch in the last uh, year, but this is a really interesting... I just don't know the metrics for this, but this is a really interesting graphic, um, and, and we'll actually put it up on uh, on the uh, on the shitposting page, the conditional release program shitposting page. Yeah. Uh, and it, it is saying that there are six countries that are severely polarised um, and uh, and that includes Colombia, the United States, South Africa, Spain, and Sweden. Jack, I, I was we I was more amused by the countries that are not polarized, which are uh, Malaysia, I did notice, India, yes. and a couple of them: Singi, Singapore, uh, the Emirates, Saudi. and China, and Indonesia. And at least a few of those, the reason they're not polarised is because you're not allowed to have an opinion they don't agree with. You're not. It's, 
You are not allowed to be polarised. So I was amused by that. I I don't know where the metric is. Uh, Identified four metrics to watch. I should should have looked at this. Economic anxieties, institutional imbalance, oh, God, class divide, battle for truth. So in Saudi Arabia, in Saudi Arabia, there's no, no, there's no battle for no. truth. That's forbidden as yeah. well. The, um, all I can say is, uh, as we head off into 2023, let's retire polarised. You know, it really does need to go. Um, I, I thought, you know, the, the, the Cardinal George Pell was described ad nauseum as a in reports <laughs> as a polarising figure. Guys, we can do better with our writing than yes. that. Come up with a better, a divisive figure, yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Not a polarizing. We well, could yes, just say some look, people liked him and some people didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's just it is that term. It is just it, it's it's becoming a cliche, um, and it really it is. Um, so look, uh, that'll that'll wrap us up for this week, Jack. And, and uh, what do you got on uh, for the rest of the week? You'll uh, be be imbibing. In various places around Hong Kong, I uh, yeah, bit of, it's, it's a lovely uh, sunny day today, so a bit of a hike, uh, I would think. Uh, and then about five thirty, I'll be blowing the top off a uh, off a James Bergs and watching a bit of tennis. I think. Enjoy that, uh, and uh, uh, enjoy the rest of the week. And then you, you you lurch into Australia Day straight away. So I hope you'll be up there uh, wearing the flag as a cape and nothing else, Jack. Yeah. Well, we used to have a little bit of a tradition here at um, uh, amongst the, the the motley crew here that um, it was required that you shout a drink on your national day, whether it be St George's Day or St David's Day or Fourth of July or uh, Aussie right. Day or. Uh, or St Patrick's Day, um, uh, yes, indeed. Uh, or or, or so National be, Day uh, if you're a local. You'll 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 win you'll win the credit card scramble yeah. there um, for that one. Well, thank you for joining us, Jack, and uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning in once again. And we do remind you that uh, we would love to hear from you. We would love to uh, talk about some topics that you want to. Uh, that you want to hear us uh, discuss. It might be nuclear energy. It might be uh, some uh, some other matter, freedom of speech. You decide what it should be and drop us a line. You can get hold of uh, uh, Jack on uh, – is it uh, – you'll have to give me those details uh, Hong again. Kong Jack on, subs, on Substack. You'll find me there. Uh, we've got a few people who've uh, you know, taken the free subscription, but no one's leaving any comments yet. I think they're frightened of me, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, no, help help yourself, Jack. Uh, Jack uh, Jack enjoys a bit of uh, argy-bargy, so don't, don't hold back there. And, of course, you can get hold of me, listeners, uh, at uh, Jack the Insider. Uh, uh, on Twitter. My DMs are always open. Thank you for joining us once again and we'll chat with you next week. See ya.